0: Welcome back to Word and Table, a bi-weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here, as always, with your favorite canon, Father Stephen Gautier. <laughs> Welcome back, Father Stephen. Good to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is director of formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Today, Father Stephen, um, you'd, you'd brought up that we should talk about the creeds, and that's uh, great for me, actually, because after service just a couple weeks ago, um, I got a question about this, because uh, we uh, I've been um, uh, officiating and, and doing some pastoral work at, a, at another congregation, and uh, my old congregation used to do the Nicene Creed every Sunday, which is kind of long and has a lot of lines in it, and this congregation uses the Apostles' Creed, which is very short, and I will be up there frequently officiating from the front, and kind of automatically, without looking, inserting little uh, too many lines, (laughs) and (laughs) I'm getting the congregation off a little bit, and I always have to apologize, Um, but after service a couple weeks ago, um, someone came up to me and said, well, what is the difference really between those two things? Why, why do we say one creed and you say another creed? Are we saying two different things? And um, so we had a really interesting discussion. But I thought I could actually put that question to you, uh, Father Stephen. Well, first of all, you know, what are these creeds
1: that we say and what's the difference between them? Well, actually, there are three creeds. Uh, one has sort of fallen out of, of use almost entirely now, although we still believe believe it, but it's not used much liturgically. Um, first of all, the word creed means it comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. That's what it means in Latin: I believe, credo. And so, what we have is um, when we are baptized, we have to de- make a declaration of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the baptismal declaration of faith is the Apostles' Creed. You know, that's what we have at baptisms, how we affirm our, our baptismal covenant at the Easter Vigil, for example, whenever we have a baptismal of the Apostles' Creed. The Nicene Creed, well, uh, is an expansion. You know, uh, some issues came up, how should we understand some of the things in that creed? So it sort of expanded and spelled out some things. Mm-hmm. That's the second creed, the Nicene Creed, uh, which is traditionally has been used on Sundays um, and on um, great feast days. Although in some churches the Apostles' Creed is used for that as well, but I mean the tradition has been to use the Nicene, the more expanded, longer Creed on Sundays. And there's a third Creed that most people haven't heard: the Athanasian Creed.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and the Athanasian Creed was um, often uh, at the time of the Reformation, for example, it used to be every Sunday morning um, in the in the Roman Church, and in the uh, uh, it was every Sunday morning at Prime, uh, which is the first office right, you know, after right, right. after Lauds. Maddens and lods, uh, and sometimes, and sometimes after the sermon. Mm-hmm. But it came at the Reformation. We agreed with that. agreed entirely. But we tended to do about about twenty times a year, and it it, it gradually tapered out for reasons we could talk about. And it came to be mostly Trinity Sunday. I
0: see. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that is actually the 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 the, the Sunday that I'm most used to hearing. Yeah. And it's way longer than the other ones. Oh and yes. It's also a uh, fairly severe, maybe. <laughs> if I could, I think that's a good word for it. Characterize it that way. <laughs> um, but it's not a comfy creed. Okay. <laughs> so these are the three creeds though that are accepted. We call
1: them the Catholic creeds mm-hmm. The universal creeds um, They're ad- adopted for example article 8 of the articles religion accepts all three is faithfully reflecting what the scriptures teach
0: Okay, I see. I
1: see. So if you're doing one
0: of these three um, Then then you're good.
1: <laughs> they're all mutually consistent mm-hmm.
0: And so really so the the Apostles Creed is the most terse one um, and yes. then the Nicene Creed expands it, and then the Athanasian Creed expands it even further. But That's if right. you if you kind of collapse it all back down, it's it's really saying the same things. Just... Right, it
1: all is rooted in the Apostles' Creed.
0: Got it. Got it. Well, uh, well, let's talk about the let's talk about the Apostles' Creed. Where where did this very where did this first Creed come from?
1: Well, there's a fictional story with it. Like, remember, there's a story with the Greek Bible, the Septuagint. Mm-hmm. The fictional story to, was that there were seventy different translators. And each of them went off to translate. They came back with identical translations, which simply is impossible. Uh, If if you're bilingual, (laughs) you'd realize that simply cannot be done. (laughs) It was meant to be a miracle. Well, what here is supposedly the apostles before they took off on their ministry tours, got together and said, well, what's the heart of our faith? And each one dedicated one point.
0: Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. And it would be fun
1: to do an episode of what are the 12 points because it, you, you have to do some really um, clever things to come up with 12. I
0: see, I see. Well, I, I see, what, I see what, 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 was, what they wanted it to, to be. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right.
1: So that's the fiction. What really happens, though, is it's really a development on the old Roman creed. Something I should mention here, too, because sometimes you'll hear the term the old Roman symbol. Symbol, symbolon in Greek, meant, you know what they do in the ancient world? How do you identify somebody? know who they are, who they claim to be.
0: And what know. you do... Uh, well, no? <laughs>
1: what you do is you break something like a piece of pottery or a small piece of pottery thing so that the pieces, like jigsaw puzzle pieces, so the broken edges would fit together. Oh. You would take one And I think there is some decor, some jewelry that people have like that. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, like
0: like a locket. Yes, two lockets that fit together. That's right. I I think you can still get those at Pandora. Actually, Pandora carrying on an ancient tradition. This is not a
1: (laughs) uh, product placement. (laughs) (laughs) But you have the idea is that that's what a symbolin was. Is this there were needs for people to identify. They didn't have photographs, and you know how do I know when this is the real person who claims to be? Let's say with delivering money and things. And what they would do when they originally made the deal was break something where that where you could tell by putting the edges together Mm. this could Mm -hmm. only be that got it so if you can fit the pieces together so symbolum was how do we know somebody really is a is this is really someone who shares our faith this so the creed was meant to be the test that you could tell that these really are people who believe what we believe Uh that are really part of the family the christian family yeah 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 and again it's uh it's not um it's simply a summary of what the scriptures contain the Mm -hmm. the force comes from they simply are summarizing the key points of scripture
0: yeah, yeah, I see, I see. So the
1: Apostles' Creed was actually, what did you do? The the old There were Roman elements. comes from an old Roman creed. And it's first referred, the term Apostles' Creed, that term first comes from a letter from a council. Sometimes it's associated with St. Ambrose mm-hmm. of Milan, the one who converted Augustine. But in any event, he, this is the first time in a letter, we don't know if he wrote it or not, but in a letter, we know the letters from that time, yeah. late 4th century, that actually refers to the Creed of the Apostles. I see. But we don't have really a definitive version all the way to the time of Charlemagne. Remember, he's um, he's anointed king in 800. Oh, okay. So that's a long time. However, there's no question this is old. Okay. Uh, and all of the elements, every single element of them, you can get in the earliest fathers. Okay. So there's nothing very creative, which is a good thing in orthodoxy. Got it. It's all original. You know, but the, the final word-for-word version of the Apostles' Creed is actually standardized by Charlemagne, and then the Roman Church re adopts it.
0: Okay, so this, so really, but what you're saying is, the, what the Apostles' Creed is, so, so when I, I grew, me growing up in the Baptist tradition, anytime people got up to be baptized, including me, mm-hmm. they would give you the microphone, and you'd say, give us your profession of faith, and it would always be, I believe in my Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I've asked him into my heart, basically, something along those lines. That's exactly right.
1: So that's where this comes from. Right. Okay. And what we would ask is, do you believe in God the Father? Yeah, and then you say, "I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth." Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. We'd summarize: this is our faith.
0: Okay. okay. Do you believe
1: in the Holy Spirit? So the idea: this is what they would profess.
0: Yeah, you know, it's really it's really cool to hear about you know the the actual like practical context. Like, yes. As people are becoming believers, they need to hear what it is they believe, and so this is this is what comes out of of just that that really organic. Profession,
1: yeah, that's really cool. And we said when people became Christian in the early church, <coughs> what would happen is at the beginning of Lent, they would be given two things that they'd never heard before because these were secret. They're, you know, they, uh, it's called the arcana, you know, the secret things because mm-hmm, they didn't want mm-hmm. them to be defiled or, or misused. So when people were first being rolled to become, a, you know, as a catechumen for that last step, they would be given the creed for the first time, saying, "Here's what we believe." Ah, I see. That was called the traditio, the handing over the creed. And then what would happen is, is your baptism, what you just described, <laughs> you know, Baptists are being very authentic to the earliest tradition, is they would say, this is mine. This is what you believe. This is what I believe, too. I see. It's okay. not what, like, here's what you versus what I believe. This is what we believe.
0: Right. And that so that was like the last thing that they would give people. That's yeah. really interesting. I mean, our father and the our father. Those two things
1: were given to them when they
0: enrolled. So, okay, I see. I see.
1: And that was enrolled on Ash Wednesday. Remember took years of preparation to get there.
0: Right. So, almost as though we want to make sure that you're authentic about this and right. now that you are here, you know, so so that we're sure you're not going to fake this. Here's here's what you say yeah, but To I mean, make
1: you at the point That you really can understand uh, You know what you're hearing This is the heart right, Of what we believe right. The heart of how we pray And the heart of what we believe
0: oh, That's really cool uh, I didn't I didn't realize That that's where The Apostles' Creed That's where
1: the Apostles' Creed Comes the from, Creed comes from. Uh, And so again Every element of this There is no question The, It's not like this came out In 800 I don't mean it misunderstood mm-hmm. This is very old Right But they kept playing With words and things But every one of those things Is richly attested This was not a. Con- the Apostles' Creed Is not controversial I see Now, the Nicene Creed, to take off from, a lot of they come from this, The what happens here is with Arius, and this is classic of heresies, is we've talked about, I think, in another one in councils, mm-hmm. is where everyone thinks around are on the same page. You're using the same words. And then somebody says something like, whoa. Yeah. I know it's the right words, but the, the conclusion doesn't seem right. Right.
0: And so you have to kind of define that relationship and what's going on. So
1: Arius said that he actually believed Jesus Christ was the son of God. He just mm-hmm. didn't believe it was God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He said, oh, I believe Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, mm-hmm. who's, you know, he believed that, but he said, but that doesn't mean he's God. Yeah, yeah. And so what happens here is that we needed to sort of expand. So what the Nicene Creed was, and actually it's a two-step process, which is interesting. What we have now isn't actually the Nicene Creed. It's the Nicene, uh, so I can pronounce this right, Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed.
0: Nicene Constantinopolitan, Constantinopolitan Creed. Creed. That's right, okay. that's it. Got it. (laughs) And what's
1: going to be the first part of it, the first time we do it, is at the Council of Nicaea, the very first of the great ecumenical councils, the universal councils. Right. And in response to Arius, what they did is they expanded. Remember, we say in the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. So here's what happened. Up Here's what Arius had said. He said, well, you know, yeah, he's the son of God, but, you know, being a son, you have to be inferior because, you know, the father exists before a son. Uh Uh-huh. Therefore, the Son must come afterwards. And he's sort of a creature. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, he comes from the Father in the way that, let's say, a ray comes from the Son. Okay. Or things like, there are different ways we look. But he wasn't quite the same thing. So we spell it out in the Nicene Creed, remove all doubt. It says, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. So far, the same. Born of the Father before all ages. So it's saying, first of all, he's born of the Father before all ages. Meaning, with God, there is no time. Mm Mm-hmm. So, to be begotten doesn't mean that you're younger.
0: I see. Yeah, okay.
1: By the way, that's why in that wonderful icon of the Trinity, the ruble of the Old Testament Trinity, right, right. all of the three persons are the same age. You know, we're used to sometimes uh, yeah, pictures yeah, of God yeah, the Father being old, old, old and, and, and oh, no, 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 that's, that's we have to remember he's begotten before all ages. Yeah, They're yeah, the same yeah. age. They're all eternal.
0: I can see how the, the incarnation would, would would get that confused. but <laughs> So, we
1: say, born of the Father before all ages, and then he's saying... Well, it'd be like a ray from the sun. The sun is different than the light it, 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 it casts out. Yeah, And so here we would say uh, God from God. So he's not different. He's God from God. He comes from God, but he's still God. Light from light. Mm-hmm. True God from true God. And then he's not a creature. Aries, in a way, he's sort of cre- everything that's the God alone is creator. So he's sort of a creature, sort of in a way. No, yeah. begotten, not made. Consubstantial of one being with the Father. Mm-hmm, the self-same mm-hmm. being. Through him all things were made. So you see, all we did is we took the Apostles' Creed and expanded it to remove all doubt. What do we mean when we say he's the Son of God?
0: Okay, I see. So these are some anti-Aryan footnotes being inserted yeah. into the creed.
1: Well, let's spell it's what lawyers do. Is, you know, basically when somebody comes up, we have to spell out in the contract here's what we mean by, you know, you know, on time. Okay. <laughs>
0: Let let me ask you about a a, a technical point on this, and we don't have to get too deep into the weeds mm-hmm. on this. But um, you were saying that the the Apostles' Creed isn't standardized until about the eighth century. Yes. Um, but here in the fourth century, with these additions, mm-hmm. they're adding in additions to the basic frame of the Apostles' Creed. That so it seems settled enough to be able to expand. All upon, the points right? we're, yeah. we're
1: talking about details. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, mean yeah, the basic yeah. points like I said are. Easily shown multiple times in the early the earliest fathers. Okay, the only question is the final wording, the absolute final wording.
0: I see, I see. Okay, got it. That makes complete you, sense. You know, of the resurrection of the body, the resurrection of the flesh.
1: Yeah, you know what's the exact word? Exactly. But the points are not debatable.
0: Okay, so I had another question about the Nicene Creed, um, and that is so. My uh, parents' parish back home uh in Texas uh uh Christ Church in in Plano um there the the rector there father Paul uh came out with um they he changed something in the creed seemed to be there's a part in the creed where it says and when it's talking about the holy spirit um that he proceeds from the father and the son um, and uh, he eliminated that that part of the creed and some and and gave a a whole explanation as to why um but but i remember getting some questions actually about whoa did we just like eliminate some some part of the creed why on earth did we do that maybe you could go into the the history of that that little phrase proceeds from the father and the son why, why someone why why some christians use it and some christians don't why is that
1: well, actually there's a term for this argument because it's very important. It's one of the main dividing points now officially between the Orthodox, the East and the West. Um, it says it says everyone agrees the original creed simply says from the Father who proceeds from the Father, who together with the Father and the Son. Okay. From the Father. What happens later on in the Western Church is they add and from the Son. In Latin, for and and is quay, it's et or quae. Mm. But you put it at the end of a word if it's qua. Okay. And filio means from the Son. So filioque okay. and from the Son. Got it. It's called the filioque controversy. Oh, okay. Okay. And so here's what happens is why did they add that? Well, the argument, technically speaking, was we know that the the, the Father is the principle within the Trinity. Remember, we talked about the Trinity in earlier episodes, I yes. believe. You know, we talked about He's the, the first, the source within yeah. the Trinity. Yeah. Again, that doesn't have anything to do with time because God is beyond time, but He's the source, he's right. the Son. Right, right is begotten of the father where the Holy Spirit. Now we know it says that he comes from the father because all things proceed from the father, you know, all, you know, but also it says that Christ sends the spirit. Hmm. And so the question became, well, does he proceed from the father and the son? because it's The spirit of Christ. And so the issue is everyone, there's no disagreement that Christ is connected with the sending of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And everyone agrees that it per- proceeds from the Father, but the question is, how? The Eastern Church argued that anything, that you know, we say the, the names of the Trinity just dis- mm-hmm. define what they don't share. The Father is opposed to the Son. I see. That kind of thing. And the point is, their argument is to have anything not proceed ultimately from the Father alone is to take away from the Father's characteristic of being the one from whom all proceeds. I see. Okay. In the West, the, the, uh, they say they prefer the... So how do you deal with the fact that he certainly comes from the Son? They say from the Father through the Son I see. is what their preference would be to explain the theology. Okay. In the West, the idea is no, that the Father and the Son together form a, what they call a common principle. Hmm. He proceeds from the Father. It's again a united thing. The, the, bond, the Father and Son together from them proceeds. And this becomes very important in the Latin West because of St. Augustine. He much, makes much in his theology... That the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is the product of the love of the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. he proceeds from the love of the, the mutual love of the Father and the Son. That's how the Trinity and goes it. in that peric- how, it, how it goes around in that circle of perichoresis. Got it. And so it becomes really important. It's not a small matter in the West that okay. that's the Holy Spirit. The Fathers begets the Son, and their mutual love precedes the Holy Spirit.
0: Okay, so this becomes the Western interpretation. Obviously, oh, Probably going to be through Augustine. Yes. And okay, that makes Who sense.
1: Who is the just the gem? We have to do some episodes in, uh, on Augustine. Yeah, it was
0: probably going to be more than one. <laughs> yes, I think so.
1: But the uh, the point here becomes so they thought that they were just expanding, but there are two separate issues. Is it true? And the second thing is, do they have any business changing the creed unilaterally? This is the creed of an ecumenical council, the entire church, East and West, agreed on this wording. Sure. So the question becomes, even if you agree that it is the Father and the Son, do we have a right unilaterally in the West to start changing things Okay. in our common creed? So is that what happened? The West yeah, so changed the, West, the wording of the creed? They meant it should be a clarification. They simply added a word to the creed, so okay. there, unless there'd yeah. be any doubt. And they're saying, wait a second, we can do that when we do it all together. I see. Okay. And, and we say there is a doubt. In the okay. East, they don't agree with that. Uh huh. So the position we have in the Anglican Church in North America— Which is typical, frankly, um, I believe the Roman Church now takes the same position, is in spirit of ecumenical unity, most people would gather we should never have changed the creed unilaterally. Mm -hmm. No one really argues that we have the right to unilaterally take the creed of an ecumenical and just start adding words. Okay. Even if they're true. However, the fear would be to take it out that we in no way back away from our theology. Right.
0: So we still believe that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the
1: Son. Absolutely. It's one of the 39 articles of religion. Got it. Uh, even in the ACNA for example our texts of our our, our church the, our, our province of the Anglican Church in mm-hmm. North America w- even when it's it puts in parentheses and from the Sun gives a footnote explaining that we still believe this but we don't think it's appropriate you know the, under, sure. because we don't we don't we do not object to dropping it as long as it's understood that this is not backing up from doctrine got it but, but, but if it's, of the Catholic Church takes the same position
0: I see but if you're in a place where it is eliminated with the creed it's simply a a, a, a tacit kind of acknowledgement that it should not have been shoved into the creed in the way that it was yes okay that makes sense yeah okay so not redacting what we believe mm-hmm. but um in the in in in, in the interest of ecumenism of that's right okay so tell tell me tell me about the athanasian creed and i let me, let me give you my experience of the athanasian yes. creed actually it was a trinity sunday uh, i think it was at your son's church in pittsburgh actually okay um that i i, I believe i first heard it in full uh in in a service um, and, uh, it was, it was, uh, the, the guy actually spent the, 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 the father actually spent the whole sermon explaining why they were going to do it. Uh, and then they did it and it was about the length of a sermon itself. Um, and it was, it was very, very severe, lots of denunciations of, uh, of, people who if very you don't, non-inclusive yeah if you don't hold to this then bad things are going to happen to you so I, I began to understand why maybe we didn't do it uh every sunday or maybe even 20 times a year <laughs> but maybe you could maybe you could uh, describe what the athanasian creed is and where it came from
1: uh well first of all it's i love this it's neither athanasian nor creed Oh, okay. <laughs> so. I mean, both, both parts of that title are actually inaccurate. I see. Uh, there's no serious thought that, uh, that Athanasius wrote it. Okay. is The reason it came to be associated with his name is because um, it deals specifically with some of the key topics that Athanasius dealt with. So it really was a faithful representation of thought, but it never purported to be from Athanasius.
0: But in in his controversy with Arianism, yes, it's, yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. Whereas, if the Nicene Creed is, has those has those insertions um, in order to a- address Arian controversies, the Athanasian Creed is laser focused on. On every single point of Arian Arian doctrine and making sure to refute it. So,
1: well, in addition to the person of Christ, which is with with it, the heart of Arianism, is what we really get at. Um, you know, here is much more in the the Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have both. We have two parts of the creed. The first part is about basically how does the Trinity. You know, the the, the nature of the Trinity. Right. And then we talk about the person of Christ. I see hypostatic union. Okay, comes okay. In so part. so
0: beyond Arianism as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, but that's why, so it's not, why I say it's not a creed, is first of all, one of the reasons we know it's not from Athanasius, uh, probably is, for example, was obviously, it seems to most scholars, obviously it was originally written in Latin. Okay. In the prime form. All right. And he wouldn't have written it. Actually, that's Latin. why it sometimes has this name, qui cumque vols, is sometimes the title for it, which in Latin means, whoever wishes, that's short, the first lines, so the mm-hmm. Latin things you often title them by the first words. In Latin, that's going mean whoever will, wills want, is means whoever desires to be saved. I see. Okay. So the first line is, whoever wants to be saved. Mm-hmm. You know, so it says basically has to believe these things. Okay, okay. Or if not, uh, you know, one of those other things, anyone who does not keep it whole and unbroken will doubtless perish eternally. No, oh, dear. That's a quote. <laughs> That's the second line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's less uh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and, 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 uh, so it's obviously from, we linguistically appears to be written in, uh, in Latin, and also it doesn't seem to, like a creed as such. It doesn't say I believe. It simply says here's what's that, but it's written, you know how sometimes in Paul's letters we have something that clearly is from a hymn? Yes, it, it yeah. really is It really clearly seemed to have been written for liturgical use. I see. It's it's it's, it's too neat in how it's done is too. It reads too well aloud in Latin.
0: Interesting. So maybe kind of an antiphonal thing yes, or something. Exactly. exactly. Like clearly like a,
1: was meant for use. One of those use. call and responses. It's just too good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just it reads too <laughs> well. It's too neat. It's just too neat. Interesting. And uh, so what's to be uh, it's really an excellent tool summarizing Trinitarian theology and Christology. It, 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 because it so spells it out, I actually advise our ordinance. You know, one of the things, the well, first thing, let's read the Athanasian Creed really carefully mm-hmm. because you won't get mixed. You, you'll you really have it clear. Got you, it. You'll know where the lines are. Okay, so it's a good little teaching tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let me give you an example. I'll read the first, uh, some of the lines here on the Trinity to give you an idea of the degree of detail. It says, The Father was neither made nor created nor begotten from anyone. Then it goes on to say the Son was neither made nor created, but it goes on to say he was begotten from the Father alone. So, so mm-hmm. you get the Holy Spirit, he's only, his origin is uniquely in the Father. The Holy Spirit was neither made nor created nor begotten. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Another uh, clue that it's Western origin. Yes. Probably from the south of France. We think it is sometimes associated with Vincent of Larin. We had an episode on him. Or certainly from that monastery i think he's associated with there in Lorrain. Okay, then it says accordingly there is one father, not three fathers, one son, not three sons. There's one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. Nothing in this Trinity is before or after. It's talking about the time element. Nothing is greater or smaller. You know, they'll have you know uh, equal status yeah. in their in their entirety. The three persons are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. So, in everything, as, said, as was said earlier, we must worship their Trinity in their Trinity in their unity and their unity in their Trinity. <laughs> okay. Now you're probably saying to me, "How in the world does that sound great?" I know. Oh well, I'm sure in Latin it must in Latin work. it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you just have to be there. Uh-huh. You, you, you got to be there. Uh,
1: <laughs> I see. I see. Okay. You know, if we sang this, you wouldn't be humming this all day. Okay.
0: <laughs> Got it. So might have might have sounded sounded a little more had more of a ring to it in Latin.
1: But sadly, because of those negative elements, because the good elements are really good, uh-huh. but the negative elements, like you know, they won't be saved. This kind of thing uh, has. uh there's a big argument in the in the Church of England in the 19th century about really big trouble talking about anyone who doesn't believe this these things. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it became less and less to be used and again I it's rare to have anyone use it now. Right. Okay. So the people who are, the 1662 prayer book crowd, you know people use that, you know that. Um it would in according to the directives it would be, it would be used certainly a Trinity Sunday. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Well, that's well, well tell me all right, I I wanted to go back to our Anglican tradition. Um and so so what, what's the status of, of all three of these uh, according to our own canons and, and, and constitutions?
1: Ex- expressly in our canons and constitutions for the ACNA, but also it's in the 39 articles of religions, which we hold specifically so let me read Article 8 of the creeds. The three creeds, Nicene Creed, Athanasius' Creed, and that which is commonly called the Apostles' Creed, ought thoroughly to be received and believed, for they may be proved by most certain warrants of Holy Scripture. I see. So that's why, because okay. these can be
0: connected to, to scriptural truth. Yeah.
1: Uniquely, their authority comes from the fact that they faithfully represent the scriptures.
0: I see. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked before yes. about how the creeds are um, bullet-pointed scripture.
1: <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like an executive summary of a document. Right. You're like in business all the time, you know, uh, especially I would, you know in a technical industry. Like accounting and law and things, you'll have documents. that will give you a two-paragraph summary for people who can't go through the fifty, fun-filled pages of detail. Sure, but the authority, you know, that basically, it's all, they're only valid to the degree to which they faithfully represent. You know what's there. They're yeah. not a substitute. Uh huh. Uh huh. I see. I see. They're, you know, the, any authority comes from the fact that they they're faithful representatives of the underlying text. Yeah. So the
0: the authority of the creeds derives from from how they conform to scripture and fully uh, so that, that would make a lot of sense actually about how we you know we've tied the Athanasian Creed, for instance, to Vincent of Lorraine um, talking about what it is that that binds us together. This has everything to do with how the church has read the scripture together, right? right mm-hmm. Yeah so the the creeds are just kind of this important point of unity for us.
1: Right because Vincent, as we recall from that episode, beautifully said, of course what's the authority Scripture. Mm-hmm. But he says, what happens when people read scriptures differently? So then we have to look at how people read them universally. How has right. the church read scripture? So because scripture can be interpreted differently. Yeah, Every so, heresy has something Jehovah Witnesses refer to <laughs> right. To the Bible, but clearly how they read the scripture is not how anyone else has understood it. Right. So we have to point out that just, you know, the scripture is absolutely there, but when we have a question as to what does it mean, looking what the church everywhere, always by everyone, has understood yeah. is powerful.
0: So these become really important interpretive keys in our in our time, um, without being substitutions for scripture. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's uh, basically like acting, acting, and asking a native speaker of a language. Yeah, yeah. You know, what say, does this mean? What does this mean? And, and native speakers, if you have ten native speakers in the room, say, "Here's how we understand and Somebody tells, well, "No, I took some Spanish in high school, and I think you're wrong." You're like, no really. Say, <laughs> "No, really?" No, uh, really. The native speakers have it here.
0: Well, great. Thanks, Father Stephen, and thank you for listening to Word and Table. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. And I wanted to end really quickly just by uh, thanking everyone who has subscribed to our Patreon page and is continuing to support the ministry of this podcast. We're um, we've really got a lot of great response from about uh, 20 of twenty of you. We're going to be sending uh, you know, thank you notes to you here really soon and starting to get our uh, what we're reading email this, um, this month. And again, just wanted to remind you, if you are interested in signing up to support the ministry of this podcast, we're still raising um, our budget for the year and for subsequent years, go to uh, patreon.com slash word and table. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash word and table. Uh thank you for listening.